How is it going, everybody? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you to episode 21 of The Way of the Wolf. On the show today, I actually have a young gentleman that has really impressed me quite a bit over the years and actually been pretty inspirational and motivating for me to continue on this this podcast journey. He is a health and fitness guru, as an engineer for BMW, motivational speaker, and podcast host. He's actually had a few podcasts over the years, which we'll talk about. Philip Sessions, welcome to the show. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. Okay, so we've covered a lot already in this journey of all of the things that you've done. Talk to me a little bit about how you got into health and fitness. That's really where I want to start, and then we'll start kind of transitioning into some of these other areas. So I think like most guys, I got into health and fitness because of women. I wanted to be bigger, stronger, better looking for women. And then after a few years, I found out that one, women really don't know anything about how strong you are. So it really doesn't matter. And two, as I started getting into better shape, it seemed to deter women. It was was very strange. I had more guys come up to me like, bro, how do you get so big and all these weird things. But then the women, when I would talk to some of them, it was like they thought I was going to put them on a diet right away if we started dating. Like I didn't find them attractive and I would need them to go on a diet to date me. So it was Mm. a really strange situation. And so later on years, I I finished school, uh, college with electrical engineering degree. And that's where I'd started in with the fitness journey. And then after a few years of being in engineering, I just realized that I wanted more. I I enjoy the engineering. I enjoy the problem solving, but I really enjoyed this fitness thing. And I wanted to give that a try. And I started giving it a try. I started helping some people out online. I wanted to stay away from in person just because I wanted to keep it online so I could be flexible in my schedule and work from anywhere in the world. As you see all these people talk about doing that, And so I wanted to be able to kind of live that life. And also it just made it a lot easier for having the nine to five and then doing the fitness on the side. I could message during the day if I needed to. And then obviously after work, I could spend that time messaging people, getting on Zoom calls with them and whatnot, and just be able to keep that all online so I didn't have to be in another physical location like my nine to five. So that's really where my fitness journey was at. Okay. And how did that work, trying to balance your nine to five and then doing that stuff on nights and weekends? Did that work out okay? Well, that's actually part of the the journey. And I talk about it in my book that I'm finishing up right now. I've got to send it out to the editor. But I talk about that, how at first I wanted to start on this whole fitness business and start a business. And yet I spent more time on the fitness and didn't actually work on the business. So I was doing great with the fitness side, but not so much the business side. But after I finally realized that, yeah, I just started taking that time and it was a lot easier when it was just me and maybe going on dates and everything like that, just being more of a single guy. And as I got married, it's it's gotten a little bit more complex because I have mm-hmm. to think of somebody else and spend time with my wife yep. mm-hmm. because I go to the nine to five and then I try and work on the business. Well, then if I'm not spending any time with her, that relationship really deteriorates and I don't want that to happen. So really trying to make that balance. So yeah, I'll spend a couple hours every day after work and sometimes, you know, at lunch and and before work. And I, so I get up a lot earlier than her and that's usually what I do on the weekends. I'll get up earlier than my wife and spend a few hours 
working as well. And then we spend the weekends together and, of course, dinner. And sometimes I would go back after dinner and work a little bit more. But then I try and cut it off by about 7, 30, 8 o'clock because we both go to bed. Usually by 9, we're already, like, in bed. So trying to spend a little bit of that extra time with her because she really needs that quality time, and it just helps out our relationship. So I think our relationship needs that. And that's yeah. how I manage both of them. All right. So so it sounds you know what's important there and what I'm picking up on is it's all about balance trying to figure out okay how do I juggle all of these balls and then trying to figure out okay which of these balls are glass and which ones are rubber because the Mm -hmm. glass ones you can't drop so that's going to be a relationship with your wife and your family obviously and some of these other little side projects and things that you're working on maybe that's a rubber ball maybe your book which I kind of want to dive into a little bit but maybe that's a, a rubber ball that okay I can bounce or I can drop it and It'll bounce, and I can pick it back up and then keep on working on it. Exactly, so, and there, there's never like one true balance to life. You have to figure out what that is for you, and everybody is totally different. Some people are more family-oriented, even though they may want to do entrepreneurship, but the family is more important, and so they, they put more time into that, and so they keep that 9 to 5, and that's perfectly fine. Don't feel like you can't do that and focus on the family and focus on just bringing in an income and having a comfortable life. But if you're really trying to push towards that, you will have to have that somewhat sacrifice here and there, but you need to plan it out and actually talk with your wife, talk with your kids and say, Hey, dad or or mom, whoever you may be needs to spend this time right now working on this business. But I promise once I get this done, we'll spend time together and being intentional with that time. A lot of times people look at the fact that you need to spend hours on end with your family and your friends when that's not the case. A lot of times people that spend all that time with their family and friends, they're on their phone, on Facebook, talking to other family and friends, which is just crazy. Like, so you're with somebody physically, but you're mentally not there. You're checked out. So be intentional with your time, whether it be with the family or on your business. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about this book. What are you going to be covering in that? So this book is called <laughs> The Fit Mindset. So FIT standing for Fortitude, Integrity, and Tenacity. And so all those together are things you can get through fitness. And what I found on my fitness journey, because you have to have all those in order to be in a good shape for you, whatever that shape may be. But you have to keep going on that path. And as you're going in your entrepreneur path, going to get to goals, you have to have all three of those, fortitude, integrity, and tenacity. Because without all three of those, you won't truly reach your goals and your true potential. And so that's what the book is pretty much about, just helping you figure out how to build that better mindset and showing you a way to be able to get to your goals. And you just have to be relentless and don't don't waver and just keep going after those goals. And eventually they will come. Yeah. So I like that. I've I've toyed around with the idea of of writing a book over the years. Wouldn't even really know where to start. So has that been challenging for you? How long have you been working on it first? So I started working on it at the beginning of the year and I'm at about 107 pages without it getting edited for the second time. So the first time okay. I went through and I was really just trying to type it all out. I kind of had a rough draft of what I wanted to do, an outline. And I'm not a writer, as you, you tell, I'm an engineer, so I'm all about numbers. <laughs> I'm not about words and, and language arts and you know English literature, all that stuff. I was terrible at that, but I found that I like writing. But then whenever I did it, and the first edit I did, 
I had a friend look it over and he was just like, hey, you really could go into more depth on these things. And at f- so at first I typed it all out and I was just typing, typing, typing. And he said, what you need to do is go find a transcription service and speak it out. And when I did that, I went through a few of the chapters that were very thin and I spoke it out. And when I spoke it out, I used the transcription to bring it back in. And then I went back and edited after that. And I added about another 40 pages to the book just on that alone. And I didn't add any more chapters. So I added a lot more depth and content to the chapters that were pretty vague. And so that's what I would suggest. Create an outline. And if Mm -hmm. you're not very good at typing or maybe you don't have that time to really type it out, you just use a transcription service. And the one I used was otter.io, and it's actually free for 600 minutes a month. So that's quite a few minutes, and you can just sit there and speak it out. And it pretty much it starts transcribing while you're there, and it says, hey, it'll need a few minutes to – I can't even think of the word. Basically, generate everything and make sure that – it's got everything that looks like it's right, and then you just take it and then just edit it in Word. That's what I did, and it was a huge help for me, and it really got me past that barrier of thinking that, hey, I'm done. And this is when I spoke it out. It's like, wow, I actually had a lot more than when I was just <laughs> typing it out. So if you have trouble actually typing, try speaking it out, especially if you do videos and podcasts. I think it's a great way for you to do it. Okay. So um, I actually like that idea. I may poke around on that and check that out a little bit. So yeah, for John, me, let's, uh, we can talk about it sometime, like off air. Okay, I think you should look into writing a book, man. You got a lot of knowledge that you can give out to people for sure. Okay, yeah, I'll uh, I'll look into that. Give it a try. So <laughs> now, talk to me a little bit about your journey into becoming an engineer. So becoming an engineer. I would say I was graduating high school in 2009, so you may think, mm-hmm. like, wow, you're really young. Some people <laughs> may be thinking that. Some people may be thinking, wow, I'm kind of old. But I was graduating <laughs> high school in 2009, and we know about the, the recession that happened in 2008, 2009. And I figured, hey, engineering is very stable. We're going to always need engineers. I like math, so I'm going to give that a try. So I went to college, started doing that. And actually, I didn't mention this part of my story, but my – Second to last semester, so I took three semesters to finish my senior year. So my second to last semester, I'm like, you know, I really, really enjoy this fitness thing. I I really want to give that a try, but I'm right there at the end. So I was like, no, don't switch it up. Just go ahead and finish the degree and go on with engineering. And so I've bounced around from engineering jobs, several engineering jobs, but I, I found myself always wanting to get back into automation. So it'd be automating processes such as building cars or making food products, it, different things of that nature. We see with the pipeline that affected the East Coast here in the States, that's part of automation. The reason why it got affected because there's internal networks that communicate with these different devices that say when to open and close things, when to turn on pumps and turn off pumps. Well, they they broke into that system, that network, and that's why it didn't work because these were all on automated systems. And so those are the things that I really wanted to get into and not be in any other part of the engineering field. And so I found myself kind of bouncing around, so I finally got back into it and did contract work with BMW and some other automotive plants. And then I finally got on with BMW. 
And so I've been spending the last year and a half with BMW directly working for them on their upper level systems. So basically like type steering. I try to keep this <laughs> simple. I know some of this gets a little complex, but basically just making sure that the car it has a unique name to it and make sure that it makes it along the process through the body shop because I'm in the body shop specifically at BMW. And so that's kind of been my journey. I know it was very vague, but that's been my journey, just kind of figuring out exactly what I wanted to do along that way with engineering and found myself kind of in and out of that and trying the fitness thing on the side. And I made that transition. And I know we'll talk about that here in a minute, but that's pretty much where I've been is in the automation space, making things smarter and better. So that's actually a perfect segue. So as you know, you and I have had a lot of conversations and on my podcast, I talk about kind of my my full-time, we'll say nine to five job. And then, you know, some of the coaching and stuff that I do on the side as well. And for me, I I actually was on another podcast probably two months or so ago. And we were talking a lot about entrepreneurship, but his name was Henry Walker. And he went down a path of kind of leadership in, in my journey and some of the challenges that, that I experienced kind of in my corporate America career. And I know that you and I have had some conversations about kind of what does career progression look like for you as as an engineer at a large company like BMW. Can you share any of your thoughts and experiences and maybe some of the challenges that you've found in progressing as an engineer in a large corporation like that? So I'll say these are my own thoughts. I want to kind of put that out there. These are not thoughts that I want to say is for BMW. I, I feel like yeah. I need to say that. But my own thoughts that it, it feels difficult as far as wanting to get into leadership. I know part of that is just you have to put in some years for sure. But as an employee in a large corporation, as you hear a lot of times, you're just a number. And it does feel like that way sometimes because you're just a number. But the thing is, you have to start networking. And that's what I found out is the the bigger your network is within a company, the more people will know you and the more likely you are to move up. So as an engineer, it's very difficult because you are behind the scenes. Even as a programmer, you're behind the scenes. And so people, they may have maybe heard of you or they see how the program's working. And the only time they want to bug you is when the program's not working. And so as an engineer, it is tough because, one, you're already, you're already just that number, right, being in corporate, but you're also just the guy behind the scenes. So some, nobody really sees the work you do. So you really have to go out there and put yourself out there and show the value you're bringing and speak with people and build that network to really move up in the ranks and just keep going after what you want because if you're not – actually putting it out there, what you want to go after, and keep talking about it with your manager, things won't happen. And I know we've had this conversation. I've talked with my manager several times about trying to get into management. And I guess for me to get into management, some of it was on me because the what he told me, the path for me to get to management was to go to night shift and go to a section leader position for our company, which means you're working 12-hour shifts, you're working directly with production, you're working every other weekend, and how they have it set up right now, and it it changes here and there. Every once in a while, they'll change it up. But right now, it's one week on night shift, one week on day shift, and you go back and forth every single week. 
And I didn't want to do that, seeing as I was just newly married. We've been married for about a year and a half now, and now we're pregnant, and we'll be having our first child at our two-year anniversary mark, and with having the child coming up, and I just didn't want to do that either. So that was a, just a lot of stuff going on, and in order for me to get to management, if I had to do that, if that was really the only way, I chose to not take that option because I even saw that it was probably going to be a three- to five-year process at least. So, again, going back to the time, you have to put in that time there, no matter if you're just the engineer or you're actually in the the path to becoming uh, an upper-level management or anything like that. You have to put in that time and build that network. But, yeah, Yeah. just having those conversations with my manager was part of me being able to figure out, okay, what is this path? So if you're trying to become just even like a lead engineer – Or if you're trying to become a lead role or management, whatever it may be, you have to talk with your manager as well as network within the company. So that's something that uh, I really want to actually dig into a little bit. I've come across a number of people in my career that have aspirations for more. They want to grow. They want to progress into a leadership position. But for whatever reason, they haven't taken the time or maybe they were a little bit too nervous but didn't actually take the initiative to have that conversation with their manager. And sometimes it can be a little bit scary, but a lot of times I see leaders, you may have somebody who's an incredible engineer and, and the leadership just thinks, Hey, Philip is doing a phenomenal job. He loves it. And just keep on crushing it, doing your thing. But Mm -hmm. until you came up and had the conversation with him to express, I have aspirations to maybe become a lead engineer or lead a team of engineers, it's very likely that your manager is never going to know that. So that's one thing for everybody listening. If you have aspirations for becoming a lead, becoming a manager or a director, whatever that looks like, take the time, figure out how to have that conversation with your supervisor. So that's one. Two, you also talked about building your network and exposure. That is something that is very important, at least from what I have observed over the years, is you have to start building those relationships. And a lot of times, engineers, IT people, they have a tendency to sit behind a cube and just bang away on a keyboard or design and and draw things. And they don't really interact with a lot of people. And a part of that is kind of just due to the personality types that find themselves in those types of roles. But that was me 10 years ago. I sat in my office, banged away as a keyboard warrior, and I won every single email argument that came across, but I realized it didn't actually help me grow and progress in my career. And then once I started to step out of my office and have conversations and have conversations with people that I didn't like and work through all of that, that's whenever I started to see progression in in my career. And so I definitely, I commend you on being able to take those steps. So I want to talk a little bit about a conversation that you and I have had over the past week. When you talk about progressing into leadership, you've, you and I have talked through different paths and, and ways to progress into leadership-type roles, especially where you're at today. And an opportunity came up that was a little bit out of the norm, mm-hmm. but you jumped on it. Can you share that story? Yeah, so... I found this this internal job posting called Leadership and Transformation Specialist. 
Now, you may be thinking, okay, engineer, leadership, and transformation specialist. Like, what in the world? And not to mention, it's actually an HR. So they're now an engineer who, yeah, okay, I wanted to become a leader, but I never thought about going to HR. I always thought I'd kind of stay on the production side with my technical background, but this opportunity came up. But the reason why this opportunity ended up working out for me was I had a previous job where I did do some training as far as an engineering technical side goes. So I had a little bit of that and just just other little things throughout my career where I was I was handing off projects and training up the people that were going to take over the systems that I programmed. So I've kind of done a little bit of training over the years. But a lot of it comes back to what I was doing outside of engineering, outside of my full-time job, You know, doing the podcast, getting on podcast interviews like this, bringing people on my show, doing live videos, doing recorded videos, making posts on social media, doing Toastmasters, getting on stages and speaking to men and women and just all these things I was doing outside of my nine to five to get me to this point. <clears throat> so I've been doing a ton of things to get me there, R- writing the book too, right? So I'm doing all these things and putting actions together in order to be ready for this moment. And so this leadership and transformation specialist position is all about training up leaders as well as people that just need the technical know-how in order to be able to do the work that's required at BMW. As systems get smarter, we're getting into a lot of autonomous stuff at our plant and other plants are getting things that are autonomous. So what autonomous means is it basically functions on its own. It's like a robot that can think for itself. Think of AI, right? It kind of thinks of things. So it's, but it's a physical thing instead of just a software that is artificial intelligence. It, but it, anyways, so we have these autonomous things, and we're investing a lot into training at BMW. And then I come along, and I'm perfect for this position because – I want to become a leader. I want to train leaders. And I already have the technical background that a lot of people in HR don't have. And they're having to learn how to figure out how to create training programs for those that need this technical knowledge to be able to support all these new innovative devices we're bringing in. And so because of all the things that I've done with my engineering degree, with the Toastmasters and the speaking I've done and the trainings I've done for other companies, I can pair all this together to do this job. But if I wasn't looking for opportunities like this, I wouldn't have seen it. If I wasn't trying to make these opportunities happen by the things I was doing, I would never have seen this and I wouldn't have been ready for that, which speaks to us trying to move up into management, trying to move up in our career in the corporate ladder. If we are not preparing ourselves to step into that role before we step into it, it's hard for somebody just to put us in that role. So we have to start taking those actions and and acting like that person before we can actually get that role. You are a leader before you are titled a leader. If you just think you're going to be a worker bee and all of a sudden become a leader one day, it's not going to happen. So start leading before you actually are leading by title. So that's actually a a really good topic and something that I've had conversations with people on my team before that don't have – maybe they don't have a manager title or they don't actually lead – have any employees reporting into them. And part of the conversations I've had and some of the coaching that I've done is like people don't have to report to you to be able to lead them. 
I, I think I may have shared with you that uh, the company that I work for back in October of 2018, we acquired a very large production company and our completion tools company in Corpus Christi. And I ended up going down and spending a year down there running the, the integration. And through that process, I sat down and met with a number of people. And, and one of the individuals that I sat down with, he, he actually had aspirations to lead that entire facility, which is great. But he, he had this mindset of, hey, I have, to, I have to be in charge to be able to fix these problems. I have to be in charge to be able to hold people accountable and do these things. Mm. And part of my conversation with him was nobody down here reports to me. And do you feel that I have been able to affect change? And his answer was yes. So the next piece of that conversation was it's not about people having to report to you. It's about your ability to inspire and influence change and inspire people to do the things that need to be done. And so that's actually kind of something that I, I feel is very important as leaders, as we grow into leadership roles, to your point, start doing the things that leaders do. And then when senior management looks around and needs somebody to step in and actually lead a team or lead a group, they're gonna, the first question they're going to ask is, who's doing it already? Hmm. There you go. Somebody who's actually already doing it, you're a shoe in, and then you step in and win. <laughs> yeah, because it, it makes sense. I mean, you think about trying to get somebody to, to do a driveway for you, put in a driveway for you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to say, hey, who wants to put in a driveway for me? You're going to look around and see what companies are actually doing that. They already put <laughs> driveways in, and you're going to go for them. So same thing with moving up in corporate. You have to... Start doing that so people will, when the management comes and asks, hey, who's already doing this before we just try and mold somebody into that? Is somebody already doing this? It makes sense. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't hire a contractor to come work on our house if they've never done it before, mm-hmm. which is the hard thing with starting a business because <laughs> you've never really done it before, but you want to do it. Maybe you've done things similar, but you've never done something exactly like you want to start a business in. So it's, uh, it goes hand in hand, whether you want to move up into management or you want to start a business, start doing things like you are that business owner or like you are in management already. And eventually you're going to be the manager. You're going to be the business owner. And going back to that, that guy you were talking about, he had the aspirations of being that plant manager mm-hmm. in order to affect affect change a lot of people that want to be in management not not everybody that wants to be in management but a lot of people that want that title you got to remember it's not the title that makes you great as a leader it doesn't make you a leader that makes you a manager to be a great leader and an effective leader to be able to make change that comes from within that comes from wanting to actually help and serve people not just having the title because having the title well that may be great and you may make more money it also brings more stress, and you also are more responsible for other people. So be careful what you wish for. You know, it's interesting. I, I was having a conversation with my IT director recently, and we were talking about the challenges that come along <clears throat> with progressing into more and more senior leadership 
roles and how the the type of stress that you end up having to deal with as you get into more and more leadership roles. It's no longer about, uh, well, this server is down, I've got to get it up and running, or Mm -hmm. the CEO's printer isn't printing, I've I've got to get it done. The type of stress kind of transitions more into the people and the team and ensuring that they're all working together. What's going on with, with, with this person over here in their personal life and what are some of the challenges that they're dealing with? How do you help them? How do you support them? Do they need a couple of extra days off? Do they need, what is it that they need? But then whenever you get even further up, it's that kind of expands into more and more and more teams and bodies and people and impact on the business. And so the type of stress is no longer on a thing, but more of large groups of people and how can you help support them mm-hmm. be the best version of themselves. So so it's interesting whenever I think through how the stress changes as your role changes. It was, it was a really good conversation that we had. Yeah, and as you move up as well, and I'm, I'm sure you can attest to this, now not only are you having to make your boss happy, you're having to make the people below you happy. Mm-hmm. Is if, if the people below you aren't happy, and I'm talking about just on a ladder, I'm not saying any other way, Yeah, yeah. but people below you on that ladder, if they're not happy, then you're also not going to make your boss happy because you're going to be stressed out and your boss can be like, well, why aren't these people doing what I've asked you to ask them to do? And, mm-hmm. and it just becomes this huge mess. So now you're really dealing with both sides, somebody above you and below you. Yeah. So leadership is something that takes tactics. It's, it's something you have to learn and do and figure out over time. It, well, it, yes, there's there a lot of leadership skills that you need to learn to be successful, but you also, I think caring is one of the biggest and mm-hmm. most important things that, that come to mind for me. And, and you have to truly want everyone on your team to be successful and what I've found is that if you empower and ensure everyone on your team is successful, you are going to end up being successful in that process. Because, again, as a leader, that is your role. Your role mm-hmm. is a force multiplier and to ensure that everyone is happy and successful or at least as happy as possible and successful to ensure, to make sure that the team grows and is successful. Oh, yeah. You're not going to make everybody happy. No. So just remember that as well as a leader. You can't make every single person happy. Yep, exactly. So, all right. I want to shift gears a little bit. Talk to me about your journey in podcasts. I know you had one called Healthy Living Sessions, which I actually really enjoyed. And I've started listening to your newest entrepreneurs. So talk to me a little bit about both of those and how you found yourself starting the first one and then transitioning over to the second. Yeah, so I started Healthy Living Sessions because for two years I told myself I wanted to do a podcast. And finally I went to this local live event and one of the guys there, he, he I think he has like two or three podcasts. He's got a bunch of podcasts. And I said, hey, how do you start a podcast? And he's just like, just start. I'm like, this is the worst information ever. <laughs> but it's so true. If you want to start anything, just start. There's nothing really holding you back. I mean, there are probably some things. But as far as a podcast, I mean, if you've got a couple hundred bucks to buy your mic, get mm-hmm. Zoom or whatever, or I mean, you don't even need that if you're not going to interview people. And you can do, like, Audacity, which is free, and then you have your service. So you can do 
I'm blanking out, but there's several different services, and they're relatively cheap, and you've even got some free ones. Anchor was one I was thinking of. It's free. But I had told myself I wanted to do this, and it, so it was called Healthy Living Sessions, and it was based around health and fitness, hence mm-hmm. the name Healthy Living Sessions. And I really wanted to keep that going, but as I was trying to make this transition from being an online personal trainer into more of a leadership and mindset coach, people still associate it coming on my podcast with health and fitness. And so I had to rebrand and change that name just so people wouldn't associate that with health, hence healthy living part of that. Mm -hmm. And so I changed to entrepreneurs. And I've I've had an emphasis on engineers. And so engineers and entrepreneurship, I put those two together, which gave you entrepreneurs. And I wanted to help engineers find their voice, be able to market online, to become that leader they need to be, whether it be staying in the 9-to-5 or leaving the 9-to-5 to become that actual entrepreneur. So you could be an entrepreneur or entrepreneur. And so those are the two podcasts I run by myself, or technically one now that I run by myself. And then I have joined forces with my friend Trent Bray, and we run a a podcast called Hustle Habits. So that's just me helping him out with his brand, and we've created a company together. So he's got a brand called Hustle Energy, which is a focus product, and then we created Hustle Habits, a Facebook group, to help people build those habits that are going to help them be an effective human and entrepreneur in life, not just in business, but life, family, fitness, whatever it may be, and so helping them build those better habits. And so we do that podcast together, uh, and that's one that's three days a week. So I have the two podcasts that I'm affiliated with right now. Wow. Wow. So Entrepreneurs, is that once a week, if I remember? Uh, yeah, Entrepreneurs is once a okay. week. comes out on Wednesdays. Okay. It's usually you know, like five, ten minutes, something short uh-huh. and sweet. And then you know, Trent, the Hustle Habits one, he does an interview on Mondays. when it, uh, We haven't launched it yet or we're launching it soon but a interview on mondays and then we do a joint together where we talk about different things habits mindset leadership communication things of that nature and then we have a friday it's like a hard hitter like real quick give you a fact and just get you to go through the weekend with okay all right i like it so as we've kind of talked through your experience and and health and fitness and into engineering and then now leadership and then podcasts and writing a book, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you have encountered so far? And all the biggest challenge, I'll give you two. One okay. being patient enough. That is a difficult thing. And now I try not to pray for patience because it seems like the more I pray to have patience for things, the more I need to pray for patience. So I try not to pray for patience anymore, but that's the first one. And the second one is trying not to do everything at once because there's a ton of things that I think all of us want to do in life. We want to accomplish so many different things, but it's hard to accomplish everything at once, and it's pretty much impossible to accomplish everything at once. So as I've narrowed my focus and started focusing on maybe one or two things instead of 20 at one time, I've noticed I've been able to knock those things off the list. Going back to the book, if I would have focused on a book, on my health, on my family, on 
you know, trying to launch two or three businesses and, and trying to change jobs at BMW and, you know, on and on and add all these things to the list. Do you think that book really would have gotten done as quickly as I got it done? Yeah. Sean's shaking his head. No, no. it would not Mm-mm. have gotten done that quick. So I narrowed my focus down on the things that I wanted to work on. And so the book was top priority for a while. And there was days, like we talked about earlier, where it wasn't. It was one of those rubber balls that you just drop and then pick back up later. But I still made it one of those things that was top priority for me that I needed to work on because I can see where it's going down the road. For me to get on stages and speak, having that book is a huge help because people can pick up something, learn a little bit about me and my style and thought process, and then have me on their podcast, have me on a stage to speak publicly, and so on and so forth. Not to mention, of course, it brings in a little bit of income, but as most people tell you, unless if you're a fiction author, you're not really making some really money off of book sales. But it just gives me one more thing that's out there with my name on it. Yeah, it's another avenue for exposure. Mm-hmm. And to, yeah, exactly, to get your name out there, which exactly. is part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is just, hey, how to get the message out there, how to help as many people as possible. So Exactly. You know, having that free content, a lot of people think that, oh, you need to get paid as soon as possible. And while it is nice if you can get paid for things, the longer you can hold off on that, the better. Just like mm-hmm. Sean's saying here with his podcast, he's getting all this information out to people. When he is finally at the point where it's like, all right, it's time to launch this leadership coaching that he's going to be doing, people are going to be like, well, Sean gave me so much value for so long. I can't imagine. This was all free. What mm-hmm. is what is he going to give me? How is he going to help me that much more once I start actually paying him? And that is where the gold is at. So yep. keep doing the things that are free that may seem like they're, they're a waste of time now because at the end of the day, it will be better for you mm-hmm. in the end because you've refined that message and you've also given that much value to people that they want to give back in any way they can, which is part of like having a book or having small things like that. That's a way for them to be able to give back to you after you've given so much to them. Yeah. I want to go back to patience. That's something that I have struggled with so much over the years. And you, you know, it's funny, I, I was sharing with you and I, my last episode on the podcast, I kind of talked about how my role has, has changed once again, being in yeah. IT and HR, and then now taking the lead with transportation and safety as well. And, you know, I've, I've wanted to lead all of these functions for, for many years, the, the chain of events that unfolded, it wasn't exactly how I was hoping for it to be. But what I, in reflecting over the past week, I came to realize it was about a year ago that I pretty much said, okay, well, that's not going to happen. I'm just going to keep doing my best at leading the IT and HR teams. And I pretty much just let go, let go of the wheel and said, hey, this is where I'm going to focus. This is what I'm going to do. And what's funny is how it ended up happening. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm leading these all of these incredible teams. Whenever I kind of just said, okay, you know what? I'm just going to focus on the things that I need to focus on. I'm going to stop being impatient, trying to figure out how to step into that role and, and lead all of those teams. So patience is something that has taken me many years to to be able to build into who I am. And I'm still not that great at it, but I, I really try. And and I find that they're uh, actually having a conversation with our COO the other day. 
very patient man and watching him and seeing how patient he is with some of the the issues and challenges that come up with leading an organization of, of our size has really kind of motivated and inspired me. Like I have to learn how to be more patient. So, mm-hmm. you know, you and I have had some conversations on this front and how old are you, Philip? 30. 30. Okay. <laughs> Did you just turn 30 recently? I thought you were yeah, back in March. Okay. All right. So, so I've got, I've got 10 years on you. And for those of you listening, Philip and I have had this conversation in the past that the fact that he has found his path and his passion 10 years ahead of where I have is, is just that's one of the big things that's so inspirational for me. And whenever I see what he has done with the podcast over the past, how long have you been doing it? year and a half, two years between uh, the two of since them? Since 2018. So Okay, so a yeah. pretty good while. Yeah, so years. There, there are times whenever I think, oh, God, I just I cannot record again. And then... Uh, you probably don't even know this, but Philip pops up in my head. I was like, you know what? No, this is going to happen because I can't let this youngin catch me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay. All right. So finding your, your purpose is, is something that I really try to help people do. And again, one of the things that I've always respected so much about about doing that. And for you, it's just, it's been quite an incredible journey. You talked a little bit ago about Toastmasters and yeah. recording all this online content, and you're really good about posting a video every single day. And as you've started doing that, I've been able to watch a marked difference and an improvement in terms of your ability to feel comfortable behind the camera. I know you had a public speaking event recently. Tell us a little bit about that. So I want to go back real quick on what you're mentioning with finding your purpose. Mm-hmm. I didn't find it overnight. Back, Like I mentioned, at the end of my college career. So this was 2012, I believe. 2013 was when I graduated college. So I guess, anyways, somewhere around that, I was going into engineering and realized, hey, I want to do fitness. Well, I kind of put that off, put it off until a few years ago when I was like, okay, I'm going to try fitness. And I thought that was my passion. But as I got into it more, I realized that most of what I did was mindset. And that's what I talked about a lot, way more than fitness, which I believe fitness and mindset play a huge role together. But I didn't care to talk about fitness. And as I thought further out of what I wanted to do, and speaking on stages was a big thing I wanted to do. And when I thought of myself being on stage, I didn't look at myself being on stage and talking about fitness, talking about nutrition and muscles and and all this stuff. I saw myself talking about mindset and leadership and and other types of self-development topics and that's really how I found my purpose when I looked further out at where I wanted to go. So if you're having if you're struggling with finding out what that purpose is, think about where you want to be in 10 or 20 years. What are the things you want to do and be known for? And part of my drive as well is being able to show my future children that you can go and do anything that you want. You can go after whatever you want and and showing them that I can do that by going and speaking on stages, by writing a book, by changing from engineering to HR, my in the future, hopefully, going out and becoming my own business owner by running a business and having lots of employees helping me out and helping spread a great message to help change people's lives. I hope to show that to my children in the future. And some of these things I will be able to tell them this is what's happened to me. 
But as far as going on that stage and speaking, it's a funny story with that, too. I was just chatting with a, a buddy, and he's a local guy, and so it was a local event. And he was just talking through what he was kind of struggling with. And we got talking everything and he was mentioning this event. And I just said, Hey, if you're looking for anybody, let me know. I would love to come and speak. And then right then and there, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have you on, man. Like, let's do it. So I was like, okay. So again, the opportunity came up because I was ready for it, but I was willing to help him first. I was willing to do stuff for free. Just hop on a call and talk and, figure out what was going on and see how I could help him out. And then that happened to be one of the things which was free. He didn't pay me to be on there, but I'm super thankful for that opportunity. But it's because of all the preparation I took ahead of time with having the videos, like you mentioned, Sean, with being in Toastmasters, preparing myself with having these different talks to be able to have a topic to discuss and preparing for that speech as well. So I forgot exactly what the the question was with going on stage, but... So what was the topic of your conversation on stage so it was or on, your speech? Yeah, it was on effective habits. So there's okay. three kinds of habits. There's there's bad habits, good mm-hmm. habits, and effective habits, mm-hmm. which is what I will talk about in my second book, Fit, okay. ha- uh, fit Habits. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> so I've already got like 20 pages into a second book and haven't finished the first <laughs> one, which is another bizarre thing. But I talked about... The habits, we all know bad habit, chewing gum out loud, you know, smacking your food, things of that nature. There's all sorts of bad habits. Well, then you have good habits. So for me, when I was trying to create that business, I spent a lot of time working out and being in good shape and nutrition and everything. And it was a good habit. And you might even say it was a little effective for me trying to be an online personal trainer but it wasn't effective because I wasn't marketing myself on social media. I wasn't talking on videos. I wasn't talking to people about fitness and about how I am this online personal trainer or anything. I just kind of said I wanted to do the business and start this business and become this online trainer, but then I never did any of that. So the working out was not effective for me because I would spend like two hours a day at the gym, seven days a week. And I'd always find where I don't have time for the business. Well, yep. that good habit was getting in a way. So an effective habit is something that is helping you effectively get towards your goal. So for us, a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Getting on stages in front of people in order to be able to coach people. Because we're trying to get to that point where we coach people for a living at some point. Coach them on leadership and mindset. So if we're not doing those things ahead of time then they're not effective habits. They're essentially either good or bad habits. So the more effective habits you can have, the more likely you're going to get to your goals. And so that's what I talked about on that stage. Yeah, I like that. I hadn't really thought about it as far as as the three. I've always historically thought of it as your your bad habits and your good habits. Mm -hmm. But you're you're absolutely right. And I find that as as an interesting concept that I'm going to have to do a little bit more digging on. So circling back around to doing things for free, as you're starting to try to build a business or uh, build something around, in in your instance, coaching, I know I do a lot of coaching on the side as well. I haven't charged anybody for any of the coaching that I've been doing. For me, it's more about, one, getting my name out there, Mm -hmm. getting practice, and helping people out. And eventually, at some point... 
I will be able to monetize it. But that's not a priority for me right now. Right now, my priority is helping people out and trying to really hone my craft to be able to add the most value as quickly as possible. So yeah, for all of you listening, it's tough when you start thinking about following your passion and trying to figure out how do you turn that into a career? How do you monetize that for long-term success and being able to kind of live your life based off of your passion. But no, I'm sure many of you have have heard people say, look, if you're going to start a business, prepare to not pay yourself for a year. Well, I'm doing that now because I have a full-time job and I'm trying to build that stuff on the side. And I think Philip is actually a perfect example of doing something similar, doing these speaking engagements and, and coaching people on the side. And so it's definitely, it's challenging, but it's, it's, very worth it in my experience because it is so fulfilling and it just it ignites a fire in me just being able to see how people progress so for what it's worth you may not get paid for quite some time but it's definitely worth it just keep plugging away at it oh yeah for sure a lot less risk there and i can't remember exactly how the analogy goes but it's like jumping onto a boat from uh, the the dock right Mm -hmm. you can either jump when it's way out there in the middle of the lake mm-hmm. or you can keep bringing it closer and closer until you can finally make that leap you yep. don't have to wait till it's literally sitting right next to the dock for you to mm-hmm. jump on but if you can find somewhere in the middle ground or even i mean it can be right next to it, it mm-hmm. it's all up to you and how comfortable you are with um just blank down with, with the unknown with mm-hmm. taking that that sacrifice with that insecurity that is involved with becoming an uh, uh, entrepreneur. entrepreneur. I'm yeah. about to say entrepreneur. I'm like, that's my yeah. podcast. Man, yeah. I'm still on my words here. So clearly I need to get better at speaking. <laughs> but get yourself closer and closer to that boat before you make that jump. And for everybody, it's different. So don't feel like you see one friend, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to go and burn the bridges and I'll kind of swim <laughs> over there if I have to and get on that boat and make it work. You may not be that person that's ready to do that. Maybe you have a family, maybe you have kids and you need to wait a little bit longer. But yep. either way, wait until you are ready for it. And so take that time like Sean and I are doing and working the nine to five and after hours, we're working for ourselves. We're helping people out. We're doing the things that are free that only cost our time right now. So later, when we're ready to take that jump, we can take that jump and be successful instead of taking the jump and then going back to the 9 to 5 and then back to to the jump and then back to the 9 to 5. We just want to take the jump once and be done. Yeah. Well, I think everybody has kind of a a different risk tolerance. That was what I was looking for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And a a mentor of mine has has shared with me that the stuff that I do on the side and, and my consulting company is... He's straight up told me it will never be successful until I just do it full time. Mm-hmm. He went that path. He he left his full time job and started his consulting company, and he was incredible and has built a very uh, impressive business over the years. But for me, um, doing it on the side, which you and I both know, Tony Watley, he talks about you know his book Side Hustle Millionaire, really good book, mm-hmm. and it kind of. T- 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 talks through starting these things on the side, building it up on the side so that if you don't have quite the the risk tolerance to say, hey, I'm just going to jump ship and 
or I'm going to jump out of this plane and build a parachute on the way down. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you start building the parachute in the plane, and then whenever you're ready, okay, I think this is good to go. Then you jump. So yeah, you know, no one size fits all. I mean, everybody kind of has their own path in life, and it's important just to to realize that. Take mm-hmm. feedback. Like I've taken quite a bit of feedback from that mentor that I was just talking about. What worked for him isn't going to work for me. And and that's completely okay. But I, I value his feedback. And mm. for me, it's just finding my path and figuring out what works. Yeah, exactly. I so Philip, agree more with that. How, how do people contact you? Best place is either find me on Facebook or Instagram at Philip Sessions. Okay, nice and easy. You know, I've started trying to figure out how to get standardized uh, name across all of those platforms, and I haven't mm-hmm. put a lot of work into it. I've started trying to, but I, that is something that I need to to standardize across all of those platforms. Yes, well, definitely. Philip, That's a, a big thing, trying to have the same name on all the platforms. If yeah, you can. it makes it easy. makes yeah. it much easier. So we've covered a lot of good content today. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners? I always just encourage people to go out there and become the best version of themselves, become the best version of themselves, whatever that may be, you can go out there and do that. Just like I've talked about through my journey, I didn't know where I was going at first, and I started on one thing and changed to something else, and making that change, I felt like I was an imposter, and now I'm letting go of one thing that maybe I shouldn't have, this was my identity, but I realized that that's the path I truly wanted to go down, and you're going to find that at first. I mean, there's people that work in a business for 20 years, they have their own company for 20 years and realize, hey, this isn't what I really want to do. And they want to go do something else. And don't be afraid of that change. Because we all change over time. So just go out there and do exactly what you want to do (laughs) within reason, right? But do the things that you want to do as long as it makes you happy. I love it. That's a perfect note for us to, to end the show on. All right, everybody, I want to thank you so much for listening. Philip, it has been an absolute honor to have you on the show. I will definitely have you come back on sometime in the near future. Maybe I can come on your show at some point. But uh, I think that's, that's all we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. So y'all have a good one.